Welcome to the Check Your Six podcast. Join your hosts, Air Force veterans Craig Lyson and Tim Proctor as they continue their conversation about the challenges of small business ownership as well as information, tips and guest speakers, all designed to help you navigate the potential stormy weather that is small business. And now, here are your hosts, Craig and Tim. Hey buddy, how are you today? I swear I'm going to take that button. <laughs> we're going to adjust it when you leave. Do you want me to turn the volume down for you on that? No, we're good. I mean, I'm a hard rocker, so I guess that came with the times. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. I, I know we're going to get into this, but um, I, I can't believe how many downloads we've hit increased by. We've had some dynamite people on here. We are almost in the download pool now in podcasting. And Jennifer, our host, our guest in here today, we talked about this. We're in the she's very- She's climbing quickly. She's climbing fast. She always does. Well, she's, she, if they don't listen to her podcast, she's a lawyer. She's going to come after them. So- we're going to start putting that out there as well. So anyways, introduce yourself there, Mr. Craig. Uh, my name is Craig. I'm the old guy. Uh, Tim's the other old guy. And you can uh, contact me at 407-754-5779 or go into my website, which is vetsgrowth.com. And you're going to love what you see to enhance your business out there. That's true. That's true. Vetsgrowth.com. And I am Tim Proctor with GRP Studios, 407-862-6882, or Tim at grpstudios.com. And we have a repeat guest in the studio today. Let's see if I can get this right. Yeah. Miss Jennifer is in the studio today from the Orlando Law Group. You were here Last year, just not too much later than this year, episode four and five, you were on here. Do you remember way back then, last I, year? I do remember that. I can't believe, though, it's been a little bit more than a year. And she's getting younger looking. What's and going she on? Looks, oh. Yeah, she's getting even younger and younger Brought looking. daughter today. That's <laughs> lawyers, you know. <laughs> but, I'm a vampire or something. The last, the last time you were on, you were talked about the legal aspect of owning a business, which was fantastic. And you talked about to LLC or to not LLC. So this time it's to profit or not to profit. That is the question. Do you know where that comes from? To, to be or not to be? You have to know where something that came about, from. It's got to be some kind of law show. <sighs> To be or not to be, that is the question, whether it is more noble. to You have never heard that. Come on. You have to know about Listen, Shakespeare's man, I was Hamlet. Not, I was not a student junkie. I was a sport junkie. St- <laughs> this is all about sports and the fight, the internal struggle. Stop wasting our time. Let's get Craig off the hot seat. Let's yeah. just get him a lot of sports have nonprofits or do something nonprofit related. We'll call, we'll get sports into this conversation Uh-oh. today. There you go. We're, we're going to have to expand this. Challenge time. accepted. Sixteen ten <laughs> Shakespeare's Hamlet. I was not around then. I know I look it. Oh man! So today is to profit or not to profit. That is a question, and we're talking to Jennifer about charity organizations, nonprofits, that kind of stuff. But before we go any farther, Jennifer, give everybody your contact information. Okay, you can find me at um, our Orlando Law Group website, of course, which is at theorlandolawgroup.com. You can also call us at 407-512-4394, which is our main number, and you could get to me or whoever um, you need to find in the firm. We have Facebook, we have LinkedIn, we have YouTube, we have all of those things. Um, You can message me on all of those also. If you want to find me, I'm not too hard to find. She's not. I tell you what, she's 24-7. But you have so many, you cover everything because you have how many firms now? Four? Four, yes. You're expanding. When you were in here last time, you talked about your help for small businesses and you have a, you have a radio, well, not radio, but 
you have I'm on the uh, yeah, um, I'm on WDBO. WDBO. We have an ask, I'm one of the ask the experts. Um so we have a call in show every Sunday at three o'clock. She's on there and a lot of it is business related, but your law firm covers the scope and you've added some new things. What have you done new? And that's one of the reasons you're here today. What are you doing new down at the Orlando Law Firm? Over the past year, I think everybody knows that real estate has kind of gone crazy. So we've uh, we've added some real estate attorneys. We already had that, but we added some of that. Our title company has grown. We do real estate closings. We also opened our own um, boutique real estate brokerage. What we end up expanding in is to what we see our clients need, and they're not just getting the service that we wish that we could provide. So clients that are trying to find space and that sort of thing, we went into that area. We've expanded our mediation firm. We have we mediate, and a couple of our lawyers have become mediators. Um, so we're doing that as well. We do a lot of. I do help a lot of nonprofits. Uh, one of the other things that we're talking about that we've started is some service to help people find benefits that is just very difficult. We do a lot of work in the special needs area anyway, but a lot of the moms and dads that call us, they just are having trouble finding the benefits that they can find. And that's not really law-related work, but it just, we get asked so often. So we're, we're moving into getting a, like a, a service for that also, because when somebody calls us, if we can't help them legally, sometimes we can't, but we like to give them something to help them. So that, that's all things that have kind of been, we've been working on the past year. So we're going to talk about, because of the involvement you have had with helping individuals and look for, for nonprofit resources, we're going to talk about being a nonprofit or charitable organization. How do you want to refer to them? Is it charitable organization, nonprofit? I think nonprofit because, I mean, you could be charitable and not necessarily be nonprofit. Nonprofit is kind of what we're looking for is the goal. All right. So what is your definition? I printed out a couple of things and looked at a couple of areas. One was upcouncil.com and the other is foundationlist.org to get some stuff on, on nonprofits. What is a nonprofit? To me, it's somebody who gets the 501c3 designation with the IRS so that any money that you receive is tax deductible. There's other ways around that, um, obviously, but the 501c3 designation is really the thing. That's what everybody seems to know. Okay, I've got a 501c3. That's great. And one of the things I did with UpCouncil, and we'll cover some more of this later on, but there are almost 30 different designations of 501 from C1 all the way up to C, I don't know, 501D and E and C27. I had no idea there were so many different things you could choose. 501C3 just seems to be the most known. Right. Well, that's the one that you get tax deductible if you give money to it. But I mean, many uh, there's many nonprofit corporations, which like HOAs, like we represent HOAs. HOAs are all nonprofit uh, they, they, because they're not there to make a profit. They're there to take in the money and take care of their home or the, the mm-hmm. homes. I yeah. know we're not going to talk about <laughs> HOAs because people love them. But I mean, like they're a 501c6 generally. So there's many. I'm in a Kiwanis club and that is also a 501. It's not a 501c3. You have to have a foundation to make it a 501c3. So just, I mean, a lot of rotaries, that sort of thing. They're not necessarily nonprofits. They're F501, but they're not necessarily a C3. Yeah, labor unions fall under that category. They're right. a 501. I don't know a labor union <laughs> that is not profitable. Do you know a labor union? I mean, you, you know, labor unions are great, right? They, Actually, I belong to a union because I get a nap every day you now. You get a nap retired. every day? <laughs> so there are a bunch of options out there, and you can find that information again. One of the resources is upcouncil.com. 
pick the one you want and then find a good law firm that can help educate you on how to do that. Yeah, it doesn't so, take much. Is there a difference between nonprofit and not for profit? No, not really. I mean, I- I guess, and we're going to get into this a little bit, but if you're going to give money to an organization, if it's tax deductible and they can give you that tax deductible letter, you know that at least at some point they've been vetted by the IRS. There's a very long application that you could do in a shorter one, but it used to be that you had to fill out a 20-page application no matter what with every question under the sun. So people had were forced to think about it. The IRS has made it easier to open 501c3s now. So I think that's where now you're kind of the barrier to entry slightly lower. But I mean, whatever you do, if you've got that letter, then you still should do some investigation if you're going to give money to any charity to make sure it's really doing what you want it to be doing. Yeah, and we've talked about that in the past. There are some nonprofits and charities that we work with. One of them's close to my heart is Camp Boggy Creek, and we've talked about them a few times. We have KISS, Kids in Support of Soldiers. We had a group in here just the other day called Chair the Love. They provide wheelchairs internationally and locally for people that need wheelchairs. They're funded by an outside group, so all the operating costs are absorbed by that outside group, not by the charity themselves. The problem comes when charities start spending a lot of money that are donated, and it it bothers both of us a lot. Yeah, so can you explain? I mean, is there any particular guidelines that you're saying if you take in X amount of dollars for operational costs, I get it, but take it for personal use to get paid for what you're doing for a nonprofit? I I mean, there's a lot of questions I can go on forever, but I'll, I'll stop there. Well, and I think that's part of, like, when you're planning a nonprofit I mean, and I've I've even had clients that come to me that basically just want it as a pass through to write off some expenses. And, and yet it does happen, especially if they've got like a companion organization. So that's one of the things that I always look at. Like we've had like a group of individuals or whatever, and then they want to spend money and then they say, OK, well, we'll just start a nonprofit that goes along with our for profit business and I'll run expenses through that. And we'll take money in and we'll, it'll be an easier way to raise funds. So that's the kind of stuff that you've got to look for. Some of them, I mean, there's just some very big organizations, and we won't call any of them out by name, but some very large charities that, that they just, they, yes, they have a whole lot of overhead and it's mostly executive salaries. For those big organizations, it's very easy to look that information up. It's, it, there's a lots of places to find it. Um, especially big ones, there's usually there's a couple places where they put their tax returns online and that sort of thing. And it's usually pretty transparent. If you know, if you go to look for it, people just don't know, oh, I could go find out that so and so gives half a million dollars in executive salaries. Is that, is that a form called 990? Well, the yes, na- yes and no. Go yeah, ahead. there's websites for that. And usually there's a couple different websites to look at a charity spot or I mean, here locally, Rollins has a fairly good vetting process and the Central Florida Foundation has it too. There's a lot locally where there's like sort of charity watchdogs, but your tax, their tax returns will show how much they give to overhead, how much they give to executive salaries. Um, So yeah, if you're a company, I I mean, obviously there's people that there's companies that give huge charitable donations. They look into that stuff. But yeah, if you're just a person and you want to, if you're leaving money like in your will, people do that. Um, If you just have a limited amount, like a small business like me, we get asked to give charitable contributions all the time. I would like to give to all of them, but you've got to be smart about who you give and how you give. So you should be doing some research on that. If you are a 501c3, then you are going to be probably putting your tax returns somewhere, except for the really small ones. But the small ones, yeah, that's a give and take because 
it usually they just they're on a shoestring and they're really passionate about what they're doing. So they're giving as much. I mean, they're taking a bath, really. Um, the, the, the founders are probably not taking a salary and using their own money to drive around and all that. But yeah, there's sort of a mid ground where you're not like a humongous charity, like a goodwill. And you might not be like you just started out two years ago. You have some traction. But that's the people that you need to take a look yeah, at and see what their overhead is. The KISS is a good example. Mm-hmm. We provide a 990 because we're less than $50,000 a year in donations. Right. That's kind of the breaking point. Mm-hmm. Once you get over 50000 then it's the longer 12-page or whatever that is form that you have to itemize all your stuff in. John Kalish has given us, Batman has given us some information on some of the charities that we've questioned. And you can, if, they, if they're pulling in $180,000, $200,000 in donations, well, then they have to divulge where everything's going. And, and if some, they're only getting 50000 I, I mean, and that's the, the break off for the easy also. Like they're used to the new te- the form you could fill out, the 501c3 EZ, which a lot of people don't know exists. And that's a barrier to entry to people starting their own charity. If you're going to make 50000 or less in your first year, and you know that, then um, you could file that. It's one page. It's very easy. It's less expensive. That's yeah, less than 50 bucks. And yeah. what we've discovered is, is dealing with KISS is there was a accountant out there that was doing the taxes for kids and supportive soldiers and charging them nearly 200 bucks a year to do this. We realized there were some other things going on, but I'm like, wait a minute, it costs $49 or whatever it is mm-hmm. to do this with the easy form. You ask them like eight questions and you go from there. So Well, we're going to come in and talk about some more stuff on the second half and get some more information from Jennifer, I think. It went pretty fast, didn't it? It went really fast because there's so much information. We might have to make another segment on something. Ooh, we might. Stay tuned. The guys will be right back with more on how to check your six. We serve a diverse range of clients at the Orlando Law Group, ranging from individuals and families to large corporations, small businesses, and homeowners associations. For our business clients, we are experts at setting up new businesses and partnerships, buying or selling companies, writing contracts, and establishing trademarks and copyrights. We are fluent in Spanish and Portuguese, frequently working with international clients. You can reach us by phone at 407-512-4394 or online at theorlandolawgroup.com. All right, we are back with the second half. We're having a little bit of fun before we got started here. This is, we are speaking with a lawyer, and we do know, I was reading all the information I printed out from UpCouncil and FoundationList.org, and Greg's giving, or Greg, Craig's giving me a hard time about, hey, come on, this, this is this is a lawyer. She's got things going on. Let's, let's go. I don't want to take her time over. Everybody needs her, but I hope you, hey, what do we need to know is, again, what's your information, how people call you? Uh, you could call us at 407-512-4394 or get us on our social media. We have all the social medias or our website, theorlandolawgroup.com. And she's got great information. If you have any questions about anything, please, their group is fantastic. I I know some of the people that work with you, and you are fantastic people to work with. But we're talking about nonprofits today. And according to the IRS, depending on which numbers you look at, 1.5 or 1.6 million nonprofits in the U.S. So, there's probably some in your neighborhood, and that's not just the big ones. Most of those really are the smaller nonprofits that you might not have heard of before. 
there are so many. Why would you suggest somebody to venture into being a nonprofit? Well, a lot of people just have something that they're really passionate about and they want to be able to help, but they're not sure exactly how to. Or, I mean, they're putting a lot of their own money into something and it might be a smaller need. Like, for example, I have somebody who's working on saving monarch butterflies and she just had such a passion for it. She's like, well, I should. And people were interested and wanted to help, but they don't know how. So, yeah, I mean, the grassroots ones are the ones. I mean, I have another one where her husband or her son drowned in a pool. Horrible story. But she then made us made it into a nonprofit because she never wants that to happen again. So I think you get it's a mix of those type of things and people just who just really have it in their heart. Those are the ones that, yeah, I'd rather give to also. She stole our tip of the day, but that's good because then she knows she's she's she already know as a lawyer, she already knows what we're going to say. (laughs) Is there any let's start off with what kind of protection? Is there anything from a legal standpoint that a nonprofit or charity might need to look at when they start this. Okay, we're going to start a nonprofit. Right. The things that I tend to tell people the most that they're not aware of is is if you are going to start a nonprofit, you need to get a board of directors, which sounds like a scary thing, but it could just be three or four or five people. Usually you want an odd number. So you definitely need that. So one person can't really start a charity or if they are and they don't have a board and you can't, it's not transparent, that's probably not somebody that you should give to. Once you get your board together, then you need a set of bylaws. But it does, also doesn't have to be super complicated. We have a set that we kind of give to non to charities that are basically the charitable bylaws that are a very basic set, but it will do it for most smaller startups especially. Once you do that, then you that's what you use to apply for your 501c3, which is the next step. Again, if it's under 50,000, you could do the easy form which and those come back in about 30 days or so. The IRS is behind in kind of everything, but that'll they'll get back on track. The longer form though, like if you're gonna do more than 50,000 and that happens sometimes too, like we have companies that start nonprofits because they wanna donate a building or they wanna do up service. Like there's sometimes you just know it's gonna be more than 50,000. That's the long form that costs like close to $900 just for a filing fee. So it is a barrier to entry. It used to be a barrier to entry to little small nonprofits because you don't want to spend like over 900 just to start. Now it's much cheaper for the easy form. But that takes about a year and a half. And usually the IRS comes back and asks you questions or wants you to change your bylaws. If that's the direction you're going, it's a lot more, it, there's a lot more heft to it. And then um, I know we talked about the 990. There's also something here in the state of Florida. You have to file with the Department of Agriculture and register as a nonprofit. People forget that. If they find you, which they eventually will because they do audits, you will get a fine for not doing that. So that's one of the kind of the local things that you have to be cognizant of depending on what state you're in, but that's the Florida way. Once all that's done, I know I said it was easy and now it sounds yeah, horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute, let me get my wheelbarrow yes. full of and paperwork. Then, and then um, the next step is to have an accountant who's really good at nonprofits. If they don't have nonprofit experience, you shouldn't hire them. Depending on how big your nonprofit is going to be, then it gets into, are you a foundation? Is it a private one? Is it a public one? That, that's, and that, but that's the conversation I have with nonprofits that are starting up. Kind of like, what is your end goal? Because depending on your end goal, if you want to get very large, and you might not know you're going to be very large, but if that might, there's potential, then there's things that you structure in the beginning to make sure the contributions that come back to you all sort of fit within IRS guidelines. So you have to have somewhat of a plan. You can't just say, I'm going to start a nonprofit. I'm going to start a nonprofit tomorrow and I'm going to help widgets. You have to have some kind of plan. 
You do have to have a structure to that. You have to have, with the board of directors, you have to have at least a president, vice president, secretary, treasurer. At least now they can do two roles, they can do dual roles. But if you have two people running an organization and they just kind of split those responsibilities, then I would start to question, at least give me three or four other people that can be part of your board to hold you accountable. A hundred percent. Right. And it can't be family members either. You could potentially, if you're large enough, you could have two family members on. But yeah, you can't like a brother and sister or a mom and you can't make a charity of your family because again, the IRS is thinking that's not really going to be a charity. So and a lot of times, yeah, somebody comes to me with just like me and my wife want to do this or me and, but yeah, you've got to like round that out. And when you're, I mean, you got to do due diligence when you give to these charities, if they don't have that and it doesn't, we could all have a Facebook page and that's free that at least says, here's our board. You probably shouldn't be giving money to them. It can be a real challenge because you don't want to immediately discount people. But I've become right. very cynical now that we run and Craig and I had run into so many charities that are just, man, there's something not right here. Mm-hmm. And it's just something's. I, I believe that odd. there's, if if you know it's wrong, you're going to get caught. Maybe not now, but you will get caught right. and it's going to be penalized even worse. And it's just, I'm hearing so much of this. It really does bother me because I belong, uh, uh, Tim and I work for KISS and I've learned so much from Tim that. They're all volunteers, dynamite volunteers. I mean, these people are family members with kids helping, you know, during right. a pack and ship. But when you hear about these other charities, like, oh, man, I just took like uh, 90% for my, my, I said, why are you in that business? Why are you doing that? Right. It's not a, really a charity. So, I mean, a little bit is this is education, too, for people to know when they're giving money. Like, yeah, you just can't give it to anyone. You have to be, you have to be a little cynical, like you said. And that's horrible. It's sad to say, but it's just the reality. You know, the children are dying. <laughs> well, okay, you're taking, you're taking $200,000 for yourself. How many children could you help? From, right, anyway. Right, so exactly. Then I'll get on the soapbox and, and do that. What about insurance? Does a nonprofit need to look at insurance for what they do? Right. You should. There's a couple different types that you should be thinking about. There is director's insurance, which is usually fairly inexpensive, which will make people want to join your board more. I mean, anybody, a board member, again, you have the passion and you get a family member or so, or you might have a friend that's really passionate about it too. But you do need to round your board out with at least professionals or expertise or something. Those people will feel more comfortable joining a board knowing that you've got the director's and officer's insurance because it protects them individually. And a a, a person who knows about boards and being a good board member will be looking for that. Also, like if you're going to have events, which pretty much every charity does, and we're coming back to that, we can finally have events again. um, You need insurance for those because, and again, normally not that big of a deal. You just need some sort of insurance that covers the events that you're going to put on, especially if you're going to have like an event that has alcohol or whatever. But even that, I mean, stuff happens. Unfortunately, we lawyers have ruined everything and we'll- No, you you haven't. cut on me now, but- uh... No, I would never do that. You know, she is so- sweet. She comes in here again to help us out and she does so much for so many people. We don't give you enough credit. Unfortunately, there's a bunch of schmoes in your in your industry, yes. just like us, that have <laughs> taken advantage of that. What about board members paying to be part of a board? Now I've heard this in a couple mm-hmm. of a couple of instances now. And at first I thought, okay, why would a board member want to pay? But then I've again, talked to more people, gotten some more knowledge. It's a way for that board member then to be vested in that organization. 
And I'm beginning to understand why that might be important. Right. And the other thing it's important for, because I'm on some boards and I pay to be on some of them. One, like, yeah, if you can't give money to the charity you're on a board for, yes, you are giving your time. But I mean, if you don't believe in the cause, then why are you on that board? But also when you're applying for grants and generally in almost every charitable grant, they want part of the criteria. And it's not the only one. There's hundreds. But I mean, part of the criteria is is the investment of your board because they want the charities to succeed. They don't want to give money to a charity that's not real and they don't want to give it to one that won't succeed. But if they see board members that are very passionate and invested, they assume that that's a, a, you're going to have some more success than maybe one that's just you're, nobody's really paying attention. So that's the main reason why most places do it. I mean, again, it's seed money. But for, if you're going to be in the grant process, they want to look at how involved the board is. And that's a perfect segue. What is the grant process and how do you as a fledgling nonprofit, how do you get into the grant process and what actually is grant writing? It, yeah, it's not easy. Luckily, we've got, I mean, we're pretty lucky. We've got a lot of good resources here locally. I mean, there are some people that are just really good at grant writing and a lot of them obviously give their time or have flat fees. There also, um, there's this UCF has a whole, like a charitable school, like to learn how to be a, an executive of a charity. I know they have some services as well, and they have grant writing as one of their. Is that part of the incubator series? Oh, do you know if it does? No, Caroline it Dyson? actually, it's no. actually, no, it's actually, uh, they have a, that's one of their schools, like nonprofit management, and it is a good resource for local nonprofits. Uh, Eleanor, the young lady that works for Chair of the Love, is actually going to UCF to study that. She wants to be in administration. So do you have to take other courses before you get into that? It's a major there. I think it's in the business school, yep. but I mean, they have it, it's there's good intern program. Like I said, it's a good place to get an intern from if you're a nonprofit, like paving the way is a really, really great local charity. Fantastic. And yeah. they use our office in Waterford and they, they she's got interns from UCF. human trafficking. Is yep. That yep. 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 Yeah. yeah, she's yeah. fantastic. If you haven't had her on, you should have her on. Yeah, I need to have um, her on. You're right. You're <laughs> but, absolutely right. Um, but yeah, she gets uh, she usually has like four or five interns a, a, a semester and um, they work out of our office and that's where she got them from but then Rollins also has a nonprofit, like they and that you could just go take courses in so Rollins has some courses as well to but yeah the grant writing is really important so you either need to find somebody who knows how to do it or get somebody educated within your organization that's more like a second level thing but again if you're in it for the long haul I mean you need grants well, you know, I do have a person that I do know that uh, she's been doing it for 20 years and she's actually looking for a job now she was working for a nonprofit, but because of the year, they kind of released her. But mm-hmm. uh, if you're looking, I've got a dynamite person. Well, you should send me her resume so I could send it out to some of oh, my Oh, I people. have it right here on my phone. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll respond in a minute. See, and that's, that's, yeah, she will. She'll respond. I, I don't like her doing it because she's so busy. Usually, he'll send a text to me and I'll get around to it eventually. But I know you, like, you send a message or like, boom. Wait a minute! I, I haven't had time to develop wait, my wait, answer. Yet. No, no, you put me on a different, a different phone buzz, a different phone ring. Oh, so I do. Yeah. No, it's just like. <laughs> no, yours is great. Yours sounds like a, a Star Wars character when when you come. Or on. like it's a clown. Fantastic. No, 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 no. You know, there's a lot of other things I wanted to get into with you on this as well. But what else would you tell somebody if somebody walked into you and said, "I understand. I heard this on a podcast. I really would like to start a charity." What would your first piece of advice be to them? Get the board together. That usually is the first thing because people don't contemplate that. And until you have the board, you can't really do the bylaws. You can't do the 501c3 application. The other thing is, is if you have an event or a pa- like get a sponsorship package together 
whatever that looks like for you. A lot of people don't think about that either. Because theoretically, before you're a 501c3, you can still get contributions from businesses, not so much individuals, um, unless they're just wanting to give to you. But it's still a business expense. Like if I give money to a charity, it could be sponsorship dollars or it could be tax deduction. It's still a deduction off my top line. And a lot of people don't think about that. Well, let me ask you that because I did ask Ronnie Patino, who handles the books here for GRP, mm-hmm. and he said, well, you can't just give money to a charity and write it off. It has to right. be something. It has to be a sponsorship. Correct. Because like I said, for the business, you wouldn't get the 501c3 letter and put it in the tax deductible bucket but you'd put it in a business expense bucket as advertising and sponsorship. Like I said, people just don't think about that, but that helps you get seed money. But you also then have to set out aside what that's going to look like. Like what packages do you want? Do you want $50? Do you want, like you said, $1,500? But you're going to have to say, okay, banner ads, whatever it is, like put together what you can offer a business while you're still waiting for that 501c3 status. And you're going to need it anyway if you're going to grow and become bigger. So I have a question. What's seed money? Is that what you just explained? Well, something to just kind of get started because most people, like if you're passionate about something, they're just going to put their five or 10 or whatever in, or they just on a shoestring keep going. But you can't get to that next level, especially if you're going to do the big 501c3 application. But just, you know, it takes money to... Seed money would be, if I decide, let's use KISS as an example, it costs us X amount of dollars for shipping a month for 50 boxes. It's going to cost X amount of dollars for us to fill those boxes. So I know that it's going to cost $1,500 a month minimum just for the supplies for this. Now, that would be part of the grant money? Well, that would be then, okay, I'm going to have to, for maybe I want to fund this for a year. So mm-hmm. I'm going to need at least $20,000 just for supplies and for shipping. Then I have storage for that. And I've got, so I'm probably going to need about $30,000 really to get this going and to keep it going. I can go out there and get 500 bucks and ship one set. If I want to make it an organization, then I've got to think, okay, my long-term, my one-year goal is this is what it's going to take to run this organization. I want to start looking for that seed money now so that I can at least get going and start operating. So and then grant money beyond that is, is continual funding. To, to, ask, to ask you on the grant, did you say you do have people that if somebody wanted to write a grant, they could come to you and you would write a grant for their nonprofit? No, No, we have some, I mean, I know some local grant writers because I'm pretty involved in the nonprofit world. But like I said, I also know these other resources at UCF and Rollins and things because like I said, we help nonprofits and I want to give them resources. But I, um, I mean, I'm on several nonprofit boards. So I mean, I've kind of been in the world for a long time. So Tim was going to ask the question about funding. Where do you get like, where you look for funding? Start with friends and businesses. Start, if you know anybody that owns a business, say, hey, we're starting this nonprofit you would go to military organizations, which you're trying to do for KISS. Mm -hmm. You would go to businesses that might be run by veterans. Go to some of the people that might have a tie-in to that. And kind of the tip of the day was if you wanted to do charity work, start with something you're passionate about. But but like, let's say a nonprofit charity cannot, does not really give another charity money because you're in the business to keep money for your own self. Well, I mean, I, there's sometimes there's partnerships or there's ways that you can partner together because you could split the profits from an event. I've done that lots of times. Or one has its 501c3 already and the other one doesn't. That's another way to kind of lend. Sometimes 501c3, like, I mean, for example, if you want an event with alcohol, you can pull per- temporary permits to do that a couple times a year here locally, but you've got to have the 501c3. So I've had charities or organizations partner with the charity to pull that and then give the proceeds. 
There's a couple different ways to do that. And a lot do tend to work together. I mean, again, that's more next level, just people, the boards being very smart or, or knowing like how you can do events and things together. I mean, kind of the sky's the limit if you, you do it smartly. And you already do that with your organization. Mm-hmm. By the way, where do you find good board members? Because people like you that are excellent board members. Oh, is she volunteering? No, <laughs> no, we're not getting that word out there. She's busy. But it, it is hard to find good board members because a lot of them are already taken. And they're really doing good work for something that's passionate about what they what they truly believe in. So I, I believe in for kids. I'll do anything for kids. Uh, it's funny because not having a child. My a lot of my siblings go, hey, what are you gonna do with your money? I'm like, it's going to Nemours Hospital. Mm-hmm. Why yep. not us? You got jobs. Work for it. Yeah, it's it's when you find a passion, and oddly enough, mine seem to tie around kids. Chair of the love handles wheelchairs for a lot of its undeveloped countries. The founder of the studio, Greg Reich, was in a wheelchair. He's been in a wheelchair for the past forty some years. It's just kind of ironic how that worked out with them. But they're a great group of people. Kids in support of soldiers, obviously, is not kids directed, but we're supporting our troops, which you and mm-hmm. I are both veterans. Right. Next Step Orlando is another one, a spinal rehab place for people with injuries, neurological injuries, and then, of course, Camp what, Boy, What's Boy your Creek. charity? Well, we, like I said, I'm involved with several. I We, we do a lot of special needs and autism work. Um, so that's, so yeah, I mean, also I'm very involved with kids. I'm very involved with Kiwanis, always done kid-based things. But my son has autism. Several, um, like Sharice, who also does a lot of that work, Her both of her sons are blind and go, we're involved in Lighthouse and things. But our charity, we work on a lot of kids that have special needs because uh, there's just such, there's not enough information or help out there. For them, um, we do a lot of work with like IEPs and helping kids get benefits, just all sorts of things around that. Not a lot of lawyers know that area or work in that area, and we do. So that's part of like part of our give back. Well, I'm glad we got information out there now. She does so much information. She does so much for so many people. She drives people. an RV. I uh, just let you know that it does I think have she everything. sleeps it's a there. Home. She does everything. She doesn't sleep. You said you sleep about, what, 20 minutes? She's, she's like elf. I'm asleep right now. <laughs> she does really well. Talk about quick on your feet. She's like the movie Elf when he's like, yeah, I got about 20 minutes last night. I'm fantastic. I'm good to go. So Trust me, if you ever do need her. She will respond back to you before you even get to go to the next message. <laughs> yeah, you send and it come, an automatic response comes back. And it's not that I'm on vacation, but uh, thank you again, Miss Jennifer, for being Thanks here. For the we appreciate it. We always love seeing you and having you in here. And if you have any information, questions, concerns about a nonprofit, call Jennifer at the Orlando Law Group and she'll fix you up. I think. Yeah. Oh, yo, I guarantee <laughs> she will. She's got a great staff. Thanks for listening to the Check Your Six podcast. Tune in again next time for more information on your small business development.